Welcome to the Canon Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Tim Emmett, the lead pastor at Canon, and I hope that this message will help you take your next step with Jesus as he leads us from death to life, from sorrow to joy, from the world as it is to the world as it will be. Thanks for joining us. As we open God's word, would you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you for this, your word brought to life in your son, Jesus. We pray as we open it that you would bring it to life in us and through us. God, Holy Spirit, who inspired these words to be written, would you bring them to life and interpret them for our lives today? We ask and we pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. So the scripture begins as Jesus keeps steady on this course toward Jerusalem. I know that when you begin a road trip of any sort, you certainly have a destination in mind, right? But in order to get to the destination, to where it is that you're going, you have to have some kind of directions in order to get there. Our oldest daughter graduated from high school in 2017. We were living in Douglas County at the time, and uh, she made the decision to go to Young Harris College, which is up in um, just north of Blairsville in the state. Um, in theory, it was about a two-and-a-half-hour drive, in theory. Like I said, we were living in Douglas County. Um, If she relied on the GPS to lead her to where she needed to go, it most often took her, surprisingly so, on small mountain remote roads, which was not okay with this mama, right, driving by herself. Believe it or not, it was the faster way given the traffic that she would have to traverse on I-20 and 285 and beyond, I don't know about you, but I rely heavily on my GPS today. It it can become kind of a a default, you know, Um, even if I know where I'm going, because I know that it will help me navigate around um, maybe road work or accidents or or whatnot, backups in the traffic. Um, So I I, there are at least five different ways for me to get here from my home in Duluth, um, and yet I always put the GPS on because I want to get here as quickly as possible. I, I think, however, I know, however, for the generations that have come behind me, there is nothing else but GPS. There is nothing. It is beyond a default. It is all that they know. And I know this because when we discovered this was when our oldest made her way to college. And we would have to, in a sense, outwit the GPS because I didn't want her going on all those little mountain roads, right, to to by herself to make her way back up to school. Um, I wanted her to be on the roads where there was plenty of people and um, places to stop and gas stations and, you know, if anything were to happen, that that quickly someone could come to her assistance. Um, but as I said, often that meant outwitting the, the GPS to, to tell her not to go the way that the GPS was was telling her to go. Um, the first several times that she drove up there, I literally was like on the phone talking her through. No, you go this way. No, you go this way. It was um, it was certainly an exercise in uh, a navigation and direction. Um, finally, I, I wrote down the directions, kind of old school, like right, like MapQuest, or but not really. Y'all remember MapQuest, right? <laughs> Eventually, I bought her a map. 
And I spread it out in front of her. I'm like, you are here. This is where school is. Here's 285. Here's Atlanta. Here's how 75 goes. And 85, you know how it goes, right? She had no perspective whatsoever. It was as if she was in the middle of nowhere, going to the middle of nowhere and didn't really know how to navigate. Yes, this is true. Ask your teenagers. Ask the ones that are younger than them. She had no perspective um, on the north, the south, the east, and the west, where her home was, where her school was, um, in relation to, to the in relationship to that. Um, in, in the text today that, that Bob read to us, Jesus is asked essentially, who is going where? Who is headed in the right direction? Who is in? Who is out? And we don't really know specifically who asked this question, but I, I'm going to think that he's seemingly asking for himself. I don't know if he's asking for all of us, really. Uh, the problem is he was so focused on the destination that he lost sight of the directions on how to get there. And he made a lot of assumptions as to how that would happen. Now, I know Bob read the text, but I love Eugene Peterson's um, uh, exchange in this in the message translation that reads like this. So I wanted to read it to you because it really drives it home. It says, a bystander said, Master, will only a few be saved? He said, this is Jesus, whether few or many is none of your business. Put your mind on your life with God. The way of life to God is vigorous and requires your total attention. A lot of you are going to assume that you'll sit down to God's salvation banquet just because you've been hanging around the neighborhood all your lives. Well, one day you're going to be banging on the door wanting to get in, but you'll find the door locked and the master saying, sorry, you're not on my guest list. It's a hard word for us to hear, but essentially... This way to life, this way that Jesus is inviting us on is, is vigorous and requires our total attention. The Greek word here is actually translated to strive, but it means more accurately to agonize or to exert ourselves. He's saying don't kid yourself into thinking that those, um, that, that believe they're, they're, um, in due to, uh, time or proximity, or even past encounters, because that's what he's lifting up um, in this passage. They're kidding themselves that they're in, if you will, that they will be saved. This is a way that is not made by proximity or pedigree. This is a way that is not made by interactions occasionally or an inheritance that he's speaking to in the, 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 the people of God, the Jewish believers. It's made on purpose. It's made by choice. It is made by exerting one's self on purpose with intention and attention. It is necessary to exert oneself because there are a lot of obstacles in the way of getting to where we're going. It's not a paved road per se but it might require some off-road adventure. This is not about an easy believe-ism, but a way that requires, as I said, intention and attention. But I don't want you to hear me wrongly or the text wrongly, because this is not about um, earning our salvation or our way in, if you will. It's not about good works. Jesus, 
as Pastor Tim said, is the door. He's also called the gate. He calls himself the gate. Um, that is our decision to believe, to enter in to relationship with God. But the narrow way that Jesus is referring to in this text is the abiding, the return, the realigning of our lives with God again and again and again. This is what the season of Lent is about, about returning to our first love, repentance, return, turning around from everything, every obstacle that would be in the way and turning once again to God. This is more than just a one-time decision. This is about the life of a disciple, a follower of Jesus, one that is growing in the image and likeness of the one that we follow, the one that we say we believe in, not merely hearers of the word, but doers of the word. We can't know what we know if we are not in relationship with the one who knows us fully. A relationship is no relationship at all if we, we communicate with someone once in a blue moon or we, we show acts of love and trying to follow after that person's example occasionally. But rather here there is a sense of urgency that is named. This narrow way will not always be open to us. The text tells us that there's an expiration date. Jesus is saying, come follow me now. Don't wait for a better time when it's more convenient, when it, it seems to make more sense for your life, or when there are less obstacles in the way. He's saying, come follow me now. So as I said, the, the call to follow Jesus is first a choice, yes, to enter into relationship. And remember, relationships are a lot more than about a decision. Um, you know, my husband and I have been married for almost 30 years now. I decided to marry him, but I decide to love him every day. Love is a choice that we make. That is what makes our relationships It's first about the relationship, a change in our relationship with God through the way that's been made with Jesus Christ, the gate, the door. And then to follow Jesus, to make the decision to walk in that door and continue following Jesus is about the transformation. And as we make that way, it becomes more and more narrow In some ways, decisions and obstacles and interruptions and priorities are shifted and changed. We begin to travel lighter and lighter in so many ways. We can't claim to have walked through the narrow gate when we then turn and live like everybody else. As we abide in him as we return to him again and again and again, that way becomes more and more narrow. Jesus shares that indeed only some will be saved. However, this is not by God's design, but rather by our own choices. In verse 34, that almost finished our text today, Jesus laments those who have missed the invitations, who have taken for granted their status or their inheritance will make them be saved. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, 
How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and yet you were not willing. You were not willing. I've heard it said that God is a gentleman. He does not force himself on us, but rather we get to choose to love God in return. The invitation is open, and like any relationship, we get to choose to love in return. This is the cooperant grace of God that we're invited to participate in and be a part of that Wesley taught about, the grace of God that goes before us, and then the decision to follow It's a choice. God loves us, and we choose to love God in return, to be in relationship with God, to keep choosing again and again and again to love God with all of who we are. Jesus refers in this text to a feast where all are invited. People from everywhere will come and sit and eat, and yet many will not be able to enter because he doesn't know them. Knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus are two different things. We only come to know who he is by walking with him, by walking with others who are seeking to walk with him. This is the journey of a disciple that we might grow in his image and likeness. What follows this, interestingly enough, is another story about another banquet, a great feast that's been set. But time and time again, the invitations go out and people make excuses. I don't have time, I'm too busy, I have too many obligations, there are too many distractions, other priorities in my life. And again and again and again, the invitations are sent out. And the one who set the feast and invites all to the banquet says, compel them to come in. We're all invited on this this narrow way to abide in Christ to feast at his table, to return to him again and again. This is repentance, a realigning of our lives with God one more time and one more time and one more time, not just a one-time decision, but the life of a disciple. Jesus doesn't want just deciders. He wants disciples. This is the journey of Lent that we are all on together one of return and repentance, of returning to the one who loved us first, our first love, and choosing again to take up our cross to follow him. We are all traveling companions, man, and and road trips are much better with traveling companions most of the time. Depends on how old they are. (laughs) But we're all traveling companions, fellow pilgrims on this journey uh, to the cross with Jesus. And I think sometimes we can get so focused on that destination that we miss the journey, the way, along the way. The road that we take, I would contend, is what makes us. Now, I'm going to go a little old school on you. Um, you know, it's, it's unlike pastors these days to quote a poem and have three points. Some of us still do that. But I couldn't help but be reminded of um, something that I had to memorize when I was in, I can't remember if it was middle school or high school, from Robert Frost. 
the road not taken. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both, and be one traveler long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth, then took the other as just as fair and having perhaps the better claim because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for that passing there, had worn them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day. Yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood and I. I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. Let's pray. Jesus, we, we confess that too often there are distractions, there are detours, there are obstacles to this way that you have invited us to follow you on. Forgive us, we pray. Too often we make our own route rather than the one that you have laid out before us. And we don't go first. You've gone before us. You have made a way where there seemingly was no way and laid it out for us and invited us to follow you as we go. Jesus, may we follow in your footsteps. As the disciples followed the rabbi, covered in his dust so closely that we begin to look more and more like you. All this we ask and we pray in the name of Jesus. And the church said, amen. Thanks again for joining us. We hope that this message will help you have a great week by helping you walk in faith, hope, and love. Looking for more information about Canon? Check us out on the web at canonchurch.org or follow us on Facebook at Canon UMC and Instagram at Canon Church 2424.